Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm excited that you're here today because we're beginning our Christmas at, Beth- at Bethesda series and um, and we got a lot of cool things planned over the next couple of weeks, so you don't want to miss any of the services. There are going to be special elements in each of those services, and on December the 22nd, uh, we will have our annual candle lighting experience uh, during both worship services on December the 22nd. Um, this is truly the most wonderful time of the year, and we love to celebrate the birth of Christ, and, and just to give... Um, joy to people that feel like they don't have hope uh, during this season of the year. Um, and, and so today, I, I believe that the message today and over the next couple of weeks is going to be a very powerful time. We know that this season is a, is a magical time, um, but how many know that for a lot of people, this season is a difficult time, uh, that it's really hard. A lot of people feel lonely during this, this time of the year. We know that between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day, uh, more suicides are committed uh, during that little span than the rest of the year combined. Uh, And so we know that it's a great time of year, but for a lot of people, it's a difficult time of the year. And so I want to begin a a three-week series with you guys called Uncluttered. Everybody say uncluttered. Uh, The word clutter uh, means to, to feel or litter with things in a disorderly manner to run in disorder, to be moved with confusion, a state or a condition of confusion. It means confused noise, clatter, to chatter or babble. It's a state of disorder. Clutter synonyms would be mess, disorder, or jumble. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of the word clutter, but what comes to my mind is my garage. Some of you, you would say basement or an attic. Uh, Some of you may think about your desk at work. Man, there's just something about my desk when there's clutter all over. I can't even work. Like, it just, I mean, it's all over me. Like, if I can just clean my desk, I can work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I I just got to clear some stuff. And uh, for some of you, you think, when you think about clutter, specifically this time of year, um, you think about your schedule, your calendar. Uh, how many have a busier schedule from Thanksgiving to New Year than any other time? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you, got, you got holiday parties, you, you got Christmas, you got shopping, you got, I know for us, we do a staff dinner, we do a board of director dinner, uh, there's activities with the kids. Um, we have two December birthdays in my home, so uh, there's just a lot going on, um, and, and so our calendar can even become cluttered. And I say all that because I I want your mind to understand what clutter is, but I want to deal with something today that's more than your garage or your desk or your calendar. I want to deal with the clutter in our lives that weighs us down, the clutter in our lives that uh, robs us us of the joy and the peace that we should experience in such a beautiful season, the kind of clutter that um, brings a relationship 
down instead of breathes life into a relationship. And so um, in order for us to travel lighter and to live free, we, we have to, first of all, I want to call this message identifying the clutter. We have to, first of all, identify it. We have to identify what the clutter is in our life. And the reason that's so important is because anything that remains in the dark has power over us. Anything that we do not acknowledge, we do not admit, we won't talk about, anything that remains in the dark has power over us. So we have to bring the clutter into the light. One of the things that I've been stressing, and and I hit it again on first Wednesday, um, that as we enter into 2020, we're going to continue to reach people and we're going to take territory. We're going to do all those things. But but I believe that 2020, kind of playing off that 2020 vision, is that God wants to give us not only corporately, but individually, he wants to give us clarity, focus, and direction this year. That, that we are to place a high priority on, on becoming healthy. Uh, and, and when I say healthy, I'm not just talking about physically. There are five areas that the Holy Spirit has put on my heart to deal with the entire year of 2020. Uh, and that is that you be healthy spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, and financially. Anybody, could you handle being healthy in all those areas? I believe that we're going to really push on this, and, 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 and God wants to do some cool things. But here's what I want to tell you. As, as this year is about to end, and we're about to start a brand new year, let's not enter in to a new year with an old anointing. Let, let's not step into a new year with clutter from this year. Let, let's step into it fresh and new. And, and, and it's so important because life... Life, you guys know this, life is a journey. We're all on a journey. Now, we got journey people in the house that, you know, if you were going on a trip, the best part for you would be the journey. I hate the journey. I'm like a destination guy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just get me there. I don't want to deal with the long car ride. I don't want to deal with, you know, the plane or whatever it is. I just want to get there. But life is a journey and along the, the journey, many of us, we pick up clutter that, that weighs us down. And, and, and it becomes something that we don't want to talk about, we don't want to acknowledge. Because when it comes to clutter, a lot of times we're, we're walking through life and we're hit with something. And, you know, it, it takes our breath away, but, but we act like it's not a big deal. And so we keep pushing forward. But how many know life keeps throwing stuff? Like just because you got hit once don't mean you're not going to get hit again and again and again. And so what we learn to do is in, instead of dealing with the clutter many times is we learn to compensate. And, and so we're going through life with all this hurt, all this, all this uh, trauma, all the pain, and, and we don't really deal with anything. We just keep moving forward. And it has weighed us down, and it has made the journey really, really difficult. And for many of us, if we were being honest today, we love Jesus. We, we, we love the church. We're, we, we love all that stuff. But the truth is, we're not really enjoying our life. We're not really enjoying the journey. And so that's what I want to deal with today as we talk about identifying the clutter in your life. And, and so I, I want to start here, some of us, we are carrying things around 
that we should, we should not be carrying. There are things that, that we have that should not be a part of our trip. Now, I'm not talking about your husband. He's got to come, all right? Come on, y'all. He's got to come. He's got to be part of the trip. But I do want to address the areas that, that produce the clutter. And if you're taking notes today, you need to write these five things down. I'm going to give you five things that contribute to the clutter in our lives. And if you're not taking notes, you need to write these five things down. All right? Number one, number one, unfulfilled expectations produces clutter in your life. Unfulfilled expectations. This is actually the basis of anger. All anger, it comes from an unfulfilled expectation. You were expecting one thing, but you got something else. All anger, that's what it's connected to. There's an unfulfilled expectation. Another way of saying it is you, you've uh, gone through something that has disappointed you. You expected this to happen, but it didn't. You got something else. Now you're angry. Now you're disappointed. Look at what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. He said, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. He said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Many of us in this room today, we are ready for heaven. How many are ready for heaven? Like, you know Jesus. You're ready for heaven. Like, we're ready for heaven, but the truth is our heart is a little sick. We've had some unmet, unfulfilled expectations. And, and part of the reason that happens, I believe, I, I believe there, there are legitimate reasons to be angry and there are legitimate unmet expectations, but I don't think we do a very good job of, of preparing people um, for life in general. I don't think we do a very good job of preparing our kids for life. We know what the scripture says. We are, you and I, as believers, we are called to bring heaven into the earth. We are, we are called, according to Galatians 5, to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. We're, we're called to have that. But how many know the Bible also says that it rains on the just and the unjust, that bad things happen to really good people. Um, Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trouble, but don't fear, I've overcome the world. The psalmist said that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them out of all their affliction. And, and so we have this great calling, but how many know life happens and sometimes life hurts? And, and so we have to acknowledge that. I don't think we do a good job of, of preparing people for life in general. For instance, we have kids, and then we, we look at our kids. We set them down and we tell them, you are special. You think they're special. Your spouse thinks they're special. God thinks they're special. But let's be honest. They're one in eight billion. I just ticked a bunch of people off. Like, I know you think they're special, but they're really not special. They're one in eight billion. Okay? What, what's the point that you're making with that, Pastor Chad? The point is, is we tell them they're special, they're great, you know, all, let, let's translate that to the sports field. Y'all ever hang around a basketball court or a baseball diamond or a football field with kids where, you know, they're out there and they're not really, you know, doing anything significant, yet mama's up there saying, oh, baby, you're wonderful. You're trying so hard. But how many of you understand 
that when they get a little older and they go for the job interview and they don't get the job, the person interviewing them is not going to say, it's, it's all right, honey, you tried hard. Come on, they're not going to tell them that. They're not that special. And, and, and so I believe, now listen, don't, don't take me wrong. Everybody's special in God's eyes. I'm just saying you've got to prepare people that one day you're going to have a family. You're going to have to pay the bills. You're going to have to keep the marriage intact. You're going to have to raise the family. And you're going to have to fight and scratch and claw if you're going to have anything. And, and so I don't know that we've done a very good job preparing people for what happens in life. So there's unfulfilled expectations. We had this hope that something would happen, but we were dealt a different hand. Secondly, we have untreated pain. Man, this one is all up in the church. Untreated pain. The culprit of untreated pain is that many of us, we were taught at a very young age, I know that I was in church, that no matter what happens, smile anyway. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Right? Like, you know, just, just put your smile on. And yeah, I know you're going through hell, but if anybody asks you how's it going, you tell them, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm the head and not the tail. All inside, you're like, woo. <laughs> but we're going to smile anyway. We, we, we got to put the smile on. And, and listen, Bethesda Church is a church where we, we tell you you can belong before you believe, but it's also a church where it's okay to not be okay. Sometimes, I hate to say it this way, sometimes life sucks. It's not any fun. When, when you get hit with something, with a doctor's report, or you go through something, or, or you, you, you had this marriage that went well for 15 years, and then all of a sudden it fell apart and divorce happens, or you lost a mom or a dad, or you had to bury a child, or you had to do A, B, and C. How many, sometimes life is just hard, and it's not helping you to go ahead and smile and pretend that everything is okay, that, that sometimes we have to take a time out to deal with the pain so that we don't live life with this untreated pain and we're filtering every decision that we make through what we went through. Sometimes you got to sit down on the sideline and, and be treated for the trauma that you have experienced. See, what, what I'm talking about here is we don't give some things the attention that it needed. Man, if you've lost someone recently, it's proper to grieve. Like, it's not normal just to say, I'm wonderful. You may not be wonderful, but that's okay. Jeremiah prophesied about a generation of people that would come, and I believe we're that generation. Look what he said in Jeremiah 6.14. He said, they dressed the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Get that. They dressed the wound of my people as if it was not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. It's okay for you to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not okay. I have conversations with people all the time. And, and the truth is, they're hurting, they're confused, and it does them no good to come to me and just say, I'm wonderful, when they're not wonderful. The only way we can get rid of that clutter is to identify it, to know that it's there. 
unfulfilled expectations and untreated pain both contribute to the clutter. Number three, unresolved yesterdays. Unresolved yesterdays. The real, the real problem here, what we're dealing with with this one is we don't deal with things quickly enough sometimes. And sometimes we even have the intention to deal with it. But for whatever reason, we, we keep putting it off. And how many of you, just because you, you, you put it off and pretend that it's not, it doesn't mean it's getting better. Most of the time, I have learned over the years, the things that I sweep under the rug and pretend like it's not there, usually that thing grows up under the rug. And when I finally pull that rug back, that thing's ten times the size as it was before I swept it under there. And, and so we don't, we don't deal with things quickly enough. And, and really, the clutter is delayed repair. Delayed repair. We're waiting too long to settle something. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, this will show you the power of, of dealing with some, when, when you don't deal with something soon enough. Here's what it says. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. There is no way around anger. Life happens. People mistreat you. There's always going to be a reason for you to be angry. God understands anger, all right? Like when you're angry, God's not intimidated. He understands that we are going to get angry. But, but he shows us that the problem is not anger. The problem is we let the sun go down on, on our anger. I, I'm convinced with all my heart the reason people are bitter is because they go to bed mad. I'm convinced that bitterness springs up when you sleep. You go to bed not dealing with something, and you wake up, and, and you, you're, you're more mad the next day because you did not properly deal with what it is that, that you're angry about. And so God is going to say, he, he's telling us, you're going to have days where you're really, really mad, but do not go to sleep on it, because if you go to sleep on your anger, he says that you give the devil a foothold. The word foothold means crack or window in which the devil can infiltrate your life. Christians are giving the devil an open window into their life all the time by not dealing with the anger in their life, by going to bed mad. Now, I, how many of you would say there are parts of your character that you are still working on. Come on, raise your hands if you're still working on some stuff. Listen, I got all kinds of stuff I'm trying to figure out. I, I didn't say this at the beginning, but you need to know everybody in this room has clutter. <laughs> all right, I have clutter, all right, I do. But one of the things that, that I determined a long time ago, and, and, and part of it is my DNA and the way I'm wired, I don't stay mad long. I never have. I've never stayed mad long. I'm the guy who, I'm, I'm going to drive Karen crazy sometimes because I want to fix it before we go to sleep. I'm that guy, literally, I don't want the sun to go down until we're good. Are we good? No, we're not good. Well, we got to talk. <laughs> Baby, it's two and we got to get up at six. I don't care. We got to talk. <laughs> we have to fix this. I'm the guy who doesn't stay mad long. Um, and... 
part of that is, is, is personality. I get that. Some of us are more high-strung, and some of uh, others of us are laid back. My personality, in general, is very laid back. I'm not aggressive until I get a microphone. I, you know, that's, I'm aggressive now. The rest of the time, I'm chill. But um, I'm laid back, so I don't get mad often. I don't stay mad long. Um, sometimes I make people mad because I'm no longer mad. I've had people ask, why aren't you mad? And I'm like, I can't afford to be mad. I can't afford to be stressed out, angry, blood pressure going up. I can't afford to give the enemy a, a window into my soul. I'm just going to let the matter go. And I'll be honest with you, this church has helped me do that because y'all don't know this, but I get letters all the time telling me that I'm not a good leader and we're a bad church. We get people that'll write nasty things and drop it in the offering bucket just for me to read and look at. And, and people say, are you mad? I'm like, I'm not mad. I can't afford to be mad. I got to get over it. I got to, you know, I can't live like that. So you're going to get angry, but if you, if you want to really deal with the anger, you've got to deal with it soon, sooner rather than later. And one of the things I've learned through pastoring a church where everybody's got an opinion and some people think, you know, it's a great, great church, you're a great leader, and some people think you're terrible and you're going to hell. You know, that's kind of, you got every range of opinion. But here's what I've learned. Hurt people hurt people. Usually the people that are saying the very nasty things, it's because they are hurt. There is something in their heart that they are managing, that they're trying to get through, and the only way they know how to deal with it is to lash out at others. Unfulfilled expectation, untreated pain, unresolved yesterday is number four, an unhealthy view of self. An unhealthy view of self will produce clutter in your life. Everybody's upbringing is a little bit different. I grew up in a home... Um, where I was taught that um, we are, we're, we're going to love God, we're going to go to church. I was also told every single day of my life, I love you. You're important. You're valuable. I'm proud of you. You can change the world. I, I grew up with mom and dad both saying that, both in the house, a model marriage to look at. But I realized that's not everybody's upbringing. A lot of people are raised in broken homes. They were not told, I love you. They were not told, I'm proud of you, or you can do anything you want to do with your life. They were raised in abusive homes. They were raised in broken homes. And, and, and a lot of people were raised in homes when, you know, the father was absent. And so we hear the phrase all the time, daddy issues. Anybody ever heard the phrase, daddy issues? Listen, that's a significant, for a long time I didn't really get the power of this. But that's a significant phrase, and it's a true phrase. Um, a lot of people have daddy issues, and, and, and let me explain that. Let me explain what I'm talking about. A mom, a mother, her calling is to nurture. That's the calling of a mother. The calling of a father is to give identity, direction, and purpose. And so a lot of people are raised in homes where they never received identity and purpose and direction they might have been nurtured, but they never received identity and direction. And so they live life in, in this place of insecurity, not knowing who they are. 
And, and I just want to help some people that, that were raised like that, where maybe your earthly father did not get it right. Maybe he was absent. Maybe he did not give you identity and purpose that you needed. But just because your earthly father missed it doesn't mean your heavenly father is going to miss it. And he has labeled you some awesome things. He wants to give you identity, purpose, and direction, even if your earthly dad missed the mark. He wants to give that to you. See, a lot of people have this unhealthy view of themselves. And we've listened not only to the labels of people, but how many know even our own opinion of ourself is not accurate. The truth is we all have an opinion about ourselves. And it's not accurate. Look at what Romans says, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. See, the real view of Chad Dingus is not what you say about me. It's, it, it's not even, watch this, it's not even what I say about me. The real accurate view of Chad Dingus is who God says I am. And listen, God, when he looks at you, he sees something extremely valuable extremely important and a lot of us we have this low self-esteem and we go through life and we live with this insecurity that man every person who bumps up against us our insecurity is what's really angry and screaming and lashing out and getting offended it's because we don't know who we are it's the insecurity talking it's the fact that we don't really know what God has said about us the clutter of an unhealthy view of self. The fifth one is unrepented sin. Unrepented sin. I didn't say unconfessed sin. I didn't say unforgiven sin. All right? I said unrepented sin. Big difference. Because a lot of us, we will come to church in an atmosphere like this, and we will feel the Holy Spirit speaking to our heart, and we will tell God, I am sorry. We will ask God, will you forgive me? And we will cry. We'll be emotional. We mean it when we do it. But the problem is, as we get up and we leave, and we don't change directions. Repentance is not, I'm sorry. Repentance is not confession. Repentance is, I'm going this way. But I've invited God into my heart. I'm changing directions. It means I'm leaving some friends behind. It means that I'm not going to go to the same places I used to go. I'm not going to hang with the same people I used to hang. I'm not going to do some of the same things I used to do because I have repent. I have changed directions. And some of us, we're not getting the life change God wants for us because we are sorry. We do mean it. We are confessing, but we're not leaving here and saying it's time for me to change directions. That's repentance. I have to move in a new direction. That produces the life change. See, look at what David said. He said in, in Psalm 32, he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Some of you, the weight of the clutter in your life is the fact that you haven't made that change yet. 
that weight you feel, that heaviness you feel. It isn't that you don't love God and you haven't confessed and you haven't asked him to forgive you. The, the weight you feel is that you haven't shifted your life. Listen, God, God will forgive you in a second, but how many know you still have to make a decision to walk it out? He saves us, but we have to determine new direction, that we're going to move in a new direction. And, and so what I want to come out of this series is that you will start traveling lighter and you will start living free. I don't want you going through life with this heavy load. How do we do that? Well, our key verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We all have worldly problems. And you would think that if you had worldly problems, you would only need a worldly solution. And, and so we, we, we try to fix things. We work harder. We try harder. We, we, we try hard to come out of our clutter. We medicate our clutter. We do all kinds of things to come out of the clutter. But, but what we have to understand is that these worldly problems, they look like they're worldly, but how many of you understand they are really spiritual problems? They're spiritual problems that can only be addressed spiritually. So you trying harder, you medicating, you getting another session of therapy, I'm not against any of those things. I'm just saying some of the things that we are trying to deal with and to get off of our life isn't going to happen because we worked harder at it. It's going to happen because we got the right weapon. We know that we, this is a spiritual battle, and the only way to pull down spiritual strongholds is by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says that I'll give you a power to demolish strongholds. I love that. Strongholds. What, what, what's a stronghold? A stronghold is literally the, the biblical word for clutter. Here's what it means. A prisoner locked by deception. Living life by something that is not true. The clutter in your life, the enemy wants to make you believe that it's reality but all the clutter in our life is not based on reality. It's actually based on a lie. The enemy operates through lies, through deception, through scheming. That's how he does it. He gets us to believe a lie, and then we have these strongholds. We have this clutter. You, you say, I, I don't really get the stronghold thing. How many of you would, would, would say that the moment you got saved, there were things that day, that moment that you were struggling with, but that moment you never struggled with it again once you knew Jesus. How many had some things that left? All right, we all had things that left immediately. The stronghold or the clutter is the thing that didn't leave. Does that make sense? In other words, when I gave my life to Jesus, some of it fell off, never wrestled again. But there were some things I just couldn't shake. I couldn't turn loose of. It was still there. I love you, Jesus. Then why is this still here, right? Like, why am I still dealing with a stronghold 
Is, is the thing, the issue, the clutter in your life that you have not been able to shake, but it's, it's built on a lie. So if it's built on a lie, then that tells me all you and I need is the truth. That's all we need is the truth. Um, hell is lying to us daily, whispering to us daily. If it's not in, in, our, in our own mind, it's through media, through other people. We, hell is constantly throwing lies in our direction. And so look at what 2 Corinthians 10.5 says. He says, we demolish arguments. Arguments there, it's the thing that the devil whispers in your ear. We demolish what he's whispering in our ear. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God... And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, so how are we going to get the clutter off, Pastor? How are we going to do this? If you're tired of living a lie, then here you go. Romans 12 and 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, here's what we have to do. The devil's throwing lies all the time that we process. The only way to get free from his lies is, is not only to cast down the arguments, to pull those down. It's not enough just to pull those down. We have to start replacing the negative thoughts with what God's Word says. And so a lot of us, all we're doing is we're trying to, okay, that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie. But we're not replacing it with the truth. And, and, and I'm telling you, we have more knowledge at our disposal than any other generation, yet we have the most biblically illiterate generation I have ever seen. They do not know their Bible. They do not know what God has said, and they're trying to fight the devil by just canceling out bad thoughts. It's not enough, baby, just to cancel those things out. you got to start putting word back in because God's words are spirit and they are life. Look at this. In Ephesians 4, he says, You were taught to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. The battlefield, church, I've said it for 12 years of pastoring, the battlefield is right here. Your spirit is saved. It's on, your spirit's on its way to heaven. But how many know we got to deal with earth till we get there? And the battle's here. It's in your mind. I gotta, I gotta pull down the wrong thoughts, and I gotta replace them with the right thoughts. And the key, John eight thirty two. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want to emphasize this. We have to know the truth. The truth cannot just be sitting on our lap or on a coffee table. We have to know the truth. Which means, how do, I, how do I know if I know it? You know if you know it if you are actually doing it. Do you know that we, we, we have a lot more knowledge and, and we have a lot more revelation than we have application? Like, we quote a bunch of scriptures, we're just not applying any of them. 
My goodness, I may just meddle. We, we, we know more sometimes than we do. But we have, to, we have to move to a place where we're casting down the bad thoughts, but we're also replacing them, not with just, come on, y'all, it's not good vibes. Send good vibes my way. What's a good vibe? I mean, come on. I, if I hear the right song on the radio, that's a good vibe. I need more than a good song. I need, I need word that becomes spirit and life. I, I need word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words are eternal. My words will quicken you. What's quicken me? To bring dead things back to life. That's what the Word does. The Word takes dead situations, dead relationships, clutter in your life, and begins to resurrect it. we got to get the Word in our heart. David said, I hide your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's the Word that has the power to change us. I'm going to leave you with three simple truths as the worship team comes. These are going to be really quick. And when I give you these, you're going to say, that's simple, and I already knew that. The problem is we're not applying it. Number one, if we're going to deal, identify the clutter and deal with it, number one, we have to live understanding that God still loves me. Count of three, I want everybody to say God still loves me. One, two, three. God still loves me. We throw that phrase around. We tell other people God loves you. But the truth is, subconsciously, we don't live as if he really loves us. We, we, we don't really live knowing that he's for us and not against us. Some of us, we, we have made our relationship with God about some type of religious performance. We, we, we've made it like we, we serve this God who's extremely difficult to please. We would never say this out loud, but some of us, the reason we don't spend time in God's presence is because we don't think he really loves us and we don't really want to hang out with someone that we don't believe loves us. I know that's a mouthful, but I want you to think about that. He loves me. He still loves me. And I'll I'll tell you, I thought I knew the love of God for a lot of years. But I never understood the love of God until I had kids of my own. Never understood it until I had kids of my own. And what I would say about that is, is regardless of what my kids do, good, bad, ugly, and they do all three, my love never changes. Never, never. Now watch this. I'm going to take it a step further. Sometimes when they really screw up, my heart is drawn to them even more because my love is so great for my kids, I want to help them back up. Some of you are not seeing God that way. You think I screwed up. He don't want nothing to do with me. No, God saying you screwed up. I want to help you back up. That's his heart. That's his heart. He loves you so much that even when you feel you have disappointed God 
and he's probably up there, you know, texting you the shaking my head emoji, you know, like, like I just can't believe you've done it. You, you can't see it, but he's actually drawn to you, that he wants to lift you back up. I, I know God don't sleep, but if God slept, he would wake up in the middle of the night thinking about you. I know he don't have a refrigerator and he don't need to be nourished, but if he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. He's in love. He don't just love you. He's in love with you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. God thinks about you. He's captivated by you. He's for you and not against you. But many of us, we're not living out our life with that mentality. Look at this. In John 3, we, we know the text, but I'm going to read it from a different translation. John 3, 16, 17. This is the message. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. I love that translation because here, here's, the, here's the truth. I love all of you guys. Everybody here. I'm a pastor. I have a pastor's heart. That means I think about you. It means I pray about for you and for your families. It means that part of the reason I pray and study so hard is because I want to make sure that, that I'm able to nourish you as a shepherd. So I love you. But the truth is, for, for me and you to stay connected, if it meant that one of my children had to die for me and you to stay connected, I'm sorry, but I would probably just say, it's been nice knowing you. It's been nice, you know. Get back in the game, but it's been nice knowing you. I'm not sacrificing my kid for you. But think about this. God's love was so great that he withheld nothing even the death of his own son. If that's not proof that he's madly in love with you, I don't know what is. He, he withheld nothing. The second thing I want to leave you with is God can free you. God can, we'll, we'll phrase it personally, God can free me. On the count of three, everybody say, God can free me. One, two, three. God can free me. He can. Some of you have bought into the lie that it's just going to be this way, Pastor. You don't know how many times I've prayed about it. You don't know how many people I've talked to. You don't know how many altar calls I've responded to. It's just the way life is. It's, it's the hand I've been dealt. I want to tell you, God can still free you. He can still liberate you. I believe with all my heart that as I'm speaking right now, listen, right now, I know it's quiet, we're not running around the room, but right now, God is literally breaking things off of people's lives, right now. There's clutter being removed right now by the Holy Spirit. You're gonna leave here thinking, I don't have to live like that. I don't have to think like that. You're gonna live here, leave here knowing the truth, and the truth can set you free. Romans 8, 1 and 2. 
you no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Right now, some of you are about to get your breath back spiritually. You're going to have room to breathe again. The enemy wants to constrict you, to keep you in a tight place, but God wants to liberate you, to give you freedom. The third and final thing is you stand to your feet. God will restore me. I want us to say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. God will restore me. He will restore me. Psalm 7120, though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. Guys, today I have taught you one of the most simplistic messages I have ever taught. But this is the Word of God. He loves you, He can free you, and He can restore you. You don't have to continue to live with all the clutter that you have in your life. How many know that you have been taught the Word today? Anybody know you've been taught the Word today? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around for the next couple of moments. Everything I taught you today is based on you having a relationship with Jesus. In other words, when you come to faith in Christ, it can set in motion God's love, His ability to set you free, and His ability to restore. That, that, the premise is, I know Jesus, so this can happen. God is for you today. And I want to speak to those that are in the room that, or watching online that you have never known Jesus as your personal Savior or you would, you would say, Pastor, um, I've, I knew him in a previous season, but I, I don't know Jesus now. And, and you would say, I, I need to make him the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you today, would you just throw your hand up if you're in-house right now? Would you just throw your hand up? Thanks for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Right there, nine. Any over here? Another one here? Awesome. Awesome. Y'all not going to believe it. Another one back there. Awesome. Anyone else? Y'all not going to believe this, but in the first service, 25 people got saved online. That's pretty cool, but we have 21 more online right now. I said it in the first service, but guys, listen. I prayed at a prayer retreat in the month of August, and I asked God to increase our campus and to give us direction for a possible second location. But I also pray that our online audience would double any live attendance we had. Listen, our online is actually our second campus already. And listen, there are going to be thousands of people from around the world tuning into all of our services. I'm telling you prophetically, that is happening as we speak. 
I know it don't make sense in White Silver Springs, West Virginia, but it's happening. It's happening, and it's going to happen. So we're going to pray. There's about 10 in-house and 21 more online. That's like 61 people today. Come on, somebody. Give God a praise. That's awesome. That's awesome. I want us to pray together. Every voice lifted. Say with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. In the name of Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've committed sin. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to change me, and to forgive me. Today, I am moving in a new direction. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God a praise today. listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.